Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is 64 Tacos Book Club Episode 3, Out of the Silent Planet, Part 3. Hello and welcome to another 64 Tacos Podcast. Today we are continuing our 64 Tacos Book Club, and the book we've been reading is the C.S. Lewis sci-fi book, Out of the Silent Planet. Uh, This is our third installment of the uh, series, and we will be covering chapters, um, I just said it to, it is chapters 12 12 through 16. 16. Yep. Um, Dan is going to give us a little synopsis of what happens in this section, then we'll talk about our feelings. Yep. So um, we ended our last last section with uh, Ransom and Hyoi going, going off. I think they were going fishing or something and Ransom did not could not see or hear the Eldeal the spirit that uh, the 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 cub um Hrasa or Hross um saw so we continue with them going out and um I think what they're actually doing is preparing for the hunt and so really what mostly what happens in this in this first chapter chapter 12 is a discussion about really a philosophical discussion about and what an event what desire what sort of enjoyment means um and the differences between how humans perceive it and 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 then pursue it as compared to the 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 Hrasa and how they see enjoyment and pleasure and really the 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 path of their lives which is kind of interesting, um, but not a whole lot happens uh, other than that. And then they, uh, we proceed next to the actual hunt. They're hunting the, oh, what was the thing called again? The it's, Hanarka? Is that what it was? It's, uh, something like that. That might be it. Hanakra. Hanakra, yep. Hanakra. Mm-hmm. Vicious aquatic beast. Yep, the one that interrupted the, uh, the handoff of Ransom to the Sorns in the, in the very... Um, in the first moments of their arrival on uh, Malacandra. So they're going to go hunt. Um, and uh, there are many, many boats in the water. Uh, Ransom is given sort of a place of honor in that uh, <laughs> honor or practicality, because it's unlikely that he could actually paddle the boat as quickly as the other two uh, occupants uh, of the boat, which are Wynn and his friend Huey, the first uh, Ross he meets and they take turns paddling and they're trying to find the right spot in the currents where the uh, the beast is going to pop out. Everyone's very excited to go on this hunt and as they're sort of trying to find the perfect spot hoping to be the ones to actually to to kill the Hanakra there ends up being an an Eldil sort of being that appears although Ransom still can't see it. He always sees it and it comes over but Ransom can actually hear it this time, and he hears the words it says. And what it basically says is, this this human needs to go speak to Oyarsa. He should have done so already. And uh, that is that is the, the thing that needs to happen. Um, it, it is aware of the other two, the bent uh, humans from Fulcandra, which is, you know, what Earth is apparently, the silent planet. It says it's very important that that uh, the uh, that that ransom goes to speak with Oyarsa to, to to see what happens next, to see what Oyarsa wants him to do. So as they're 
sort of disappointed that they won't be able to participate in the actual uh, have the chance to 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 kill the uh, Nakra. Um, at that very moment, it appears before them, and between Ransom and Yoi, and with uh, with Win piloting the, the the boat, they're able to kill it. Um, and then, with great satisfaction, they they they're up on the on the on the on the bank of the uh, of the river, and they're enjoying the fact that they just uh, managed to kill the great beast. And Yoi says that. For his whole life, he has only ever wanted, well, not only, but he has always wanted to to uh, be the slayer of the Nakra. And then at that exact moment, a gunshot rings out. And from somewhere in the woods, either Weston or Divine has fired on them and actually shoots Hyoi in the chest. And he dies. And at that moment, Wynn says, this is what comes of, of not following the will of Ayarsa. You, sh- you should already have been gone. So despite his misgivings and his, you know, his offers, his, his desire to perhaps selfishly, you know, atone for, for the tragedy or, or give himself up in some way, he agrees to, to make the, the trip to Ayarsa um, and appear before him or her. Um, don't want to misgender Oyarsa, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe we know. I, I believe they re- refer to him as him. Do they? Okay. Um, so he, he sets out, uh, to do just that. There's a safer path that follows the rivers down and goes around the, uh, one of the, the massive, huge mountain ranges, but there is a path through the mountains and at the crest of the pass is, I believe it's Augre. There is a, uh, is that the name of the, uh, yes, he's the dude, a sword. yeah, which actually ransom doesn't know that he's a sword. He just knows that he has to go there. Um, because that, that's what wind tells him. He says, go, go to the mountains, find the path at the top of the path. You'll meet Agre and he'll, you know, feed you and help get you to Yarsa. So he does. So, um, the mountains are very, very high, um, almost to the, you know, sort of an Everest plus height to the point where breathing is nearly impossible. I think he says he feels like if it was a hundred feet higher, he wouldn't be able to breathe. Um, but he managed to stagger uh, until he sees the cave of Augre, who, as it turns out, is a Sorn. Um, and the Sorns, uh, interestingly, are feathered, not uh, furred. Um, and so he speaks with Augre for a little bit, and we learn that there were further further up the mountain a little just that last little bit there was um a species of humanoid birds who used to live but now they are they are extinct due to changes in the planet um he also has some technology he gives them basically oxygen breathing apparatus which is kind of interesting and uh so ransom talks with him for a bit and kind of gets familiar and then he shows him earth through a, a uh, viewing aperture, which seems to function a lot like a, uh, like a telescope. And then uh, he sleeps, and in the morning, uh, Augre puts Ransom on his shoulder, and we get an idea of exactly how tall these uh, Sorns are, because it says that, or Soroni, um, it says that he is at about 18 feet for his vantage point when he's sitting on the shoulder of the Sorn. 
So the Sorlin's got to be at least 15, 16, maybe even 17 or 18 feet. I don't know how tall their heads are. Um, but yeah, they're, they're huge. Uh, so he sits up there with a little portable oxygen pack. Uh, and they make their way down um, the other side and they, they run across a few other Sorns, uh, Sorone. And when they get to a, a village or a, a, a grouping uh, where a bunch of Soroni live, he is brought sort of before a, uh, I don't know if he's like a, like a doctor or a scientist or some sort of August figure, but uh, basically the Soroni, him and, and, and his, his assistants very thoroughly try to get all the information that, that Ransom has about earth out of him by just asking very detailed questions and, moving on from subject to subject. And whenever something comes up, they don't know about, they ask him questions about that. And, and uh, so Ransom spends a, a long day answering questions, maybe a long night. And then um, that's where we wrap up. I think we're, we're about to head to meet Oyarsa next, but we have not yet done that. So I felt like this, uh, this section was, uh, there was fewer things happened, even though a couple of big things happened. Um, like the the death of Hioi and the and the battle with the Hanarka, and then also um, meeting a Sorn, um, but much of it was spent sort of in sort of philosophical discussion um, about the uh, the differences between our planet and Malakandra and the humans and the other now the other beings that. Um, that exists on Malachandra. Uh, Zach, why don't you uh, get us going? What'd you think? Uh, I liked it. Uh, I liked how it didn't really dwell on any specific um, theme for too long. You know, I was getting scared that, uh, that the, uh, the, the time ransom was spending with the Harasa was the Harasa was going to be more of like a, you know, dances with wolves type of thing. And, and, uh, and luckily it was not that it like, you know, he kind of integrated a little while and then, and then, um, it was clear that he needed to, to move on to, um, go and see this Oyarsa fellow. Um, and I, and I like the, the change changes of scenery, you know, the changes from what, what he was doing with, with the Harasa and then moving on to the, the mountainous terrain and, uh, meeting, uh, Augre. And I, I loved when Augre was like, uh, smell on this if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, you know, it's like, here, here's some oxygen to keep you alive. <laughs> um, I thought that was really cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I, overall, I really, I really like this section, uh, probably, uh, maybe a little bit more than, than some of the earlier sections sections, just because it, it seemed like it was kind of moving quickly. And, um, and while there was still a lot of, you know, filling in the gaps and talking about the, the characters and the, and the different races, uh, it, it kept, kept the story moving and, um, and got me excited about what was, what was coming up next. Yeah, it was it was interesting um, seeing the human element unravel as the uh, as the Harasa and the uh, Sorn learn about the differences between the between their races and and the, and the human race and how how flawed the human race is in regards to you know violence and war and and all that stuff and how um ransom just can't quite 
wrap his mind around the fact that there isn't there isn't a dominant race you know there's there's the um there's the three you know sentient races and and then there's a a godlike creature that rules over all of them um, and he just can't can't believe that none of them are are more empowered than than the others it's very interesting that all th- well at least this uh the two races we've met they both just think that things are the way they are because that's the way they were destined to be like everything is predetermined um, we get a lot of that in this so i th- i thought f- found that very interesting yeah matt what are what are your thoughts uh, on the section i really enjoyed this section i i liked the the philosophical talk some but i really enjoyed whenever anyone was talking about the differences between the races and like when they were talking about the um otter peeper otter people the soren was and he's like well of course they wouldn't think that you couldn't breathe up here you know right be- better yet they're like ah and then if you had died they would have made a great poem of it and <laughs> that, that would have been <laughs> just, as good. just as good you know yeah. <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny too yeah so i this was fun i'm excited for where we're headed um looking forward to it i also think it's interesting how while the the Cerrone are a little or at least uh Agre, this one that we've that we've met are a little sort of you know um i don't know what the right word is but they're they're a little sort of they're yeah they're very dry um uh, they're a little exasperated by the sort of uh, the poetry and um, <laughs> co- come what may of the uh, of the yes. of the Harasa, which is funny. But they also they don't they basically say they know they know agriculture, they know fishing, they know poetry, and that is all they know. Right. But I don't <laughs> I don't know exactly, but think that they that they uh, they quite look down on them. No, it doesn't feel that way, yep. does it? It's they, no. they respect them for having those abilities and also that they have those limitations and that's that is their their station. Yeah. Is, and is to have those skills. Yeah. Um yeah, they 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 acknowledge what they do well. And then the the Hrosa are anytime you run into any sort of sticky question or sort of a uh hmm, that's 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 difficult. They say, well, the Sorens would know about that. We or the Soroni mm-hmm. would know about that. That's that's <laughs> their deal, you know. And then the the Soroni, we hear a little more about the the Fiffle Triggy. I'm going to say it's pronounced uh, yes. the third race because the the Fiffle Triggy are the ones who made the the apparatus, the technology for um, Augre, the the breathing apparatus, mm-hmm. and. Um, we learn there that they most, they mostly like making things that are only beautiful to look at that serve no purpose, but in a pinch, if they're bored, they're willing to make something complicated that serves a purpose. But if it's, but only if it's complicated, but if it's, if it's, if it's too easy, they can't, they can't be bothered. They they have no mm-hmm. interest in it. They, it has to be complicated for them to even want to do it. But better yet is something that is beautiful and complicated and yet serves zero purpose whatsoever which is just an interesting uh way but they all seem to have their their place their sort of um their sort of role in in the society and we haven't met the any individual fifo triggy or whatever the singular is uh of of the third race but no one seems to be too upset about who's in charge of what which is the big contrast matt that you were talking about actually we all talked about 
the contrast is interesting. There's there's explaining how life is there, but of course we we contrast that along with ransom with how we do things and humans don't come out looking too great. You know, it's the no. the, the, the the greed and the the need to dominate seems to be very very unlikely um, in this planet. Not impossible. There are bent. You know, now, as Hyoi uh, says it, when he's trying to think back, yeah, like every he, once in a while, somebody, somebody is, there's something wrong, but it's very rare. Any other thoughts? I liked the, uh, I wish I would have gotten the book out, but I liked, I believe it was the last line of the, um, of chapter 15 after he's, he's looking through the, the telescope thing and he sees earth you know, he recognizes mm. earth and he recognizes europe and then he recognizes perhaps even england and he goes on to say this is where all of the people have ever lived and all of the things have ever happened and then he realizes he is at the lowest point he's ever been you know with yeah. with that I'll, realization i'll read it it says yes he said dully to the sorn that is my world it was the bleakest moment in all his travels yes there you go the bleakest <laughs> moment in all his travels yeah, that that one that was a really good one. Yeah, there's a lot of great writing in here. Oh yeah, um, it's just you can tell how talented of a of a of a writer is because every line of his prose is is sort of it may you know I, I don't know I'm I'm no great writer or writer at all but some people sometimes when you're reading a book you're like this is a great adventure and very interesting but mm-hmm. it's very workmanlike but C.S. Lewis has the the ability to Every sentence feels crafted, like you spent little time thinking about it, and that's yeah. what makes things like 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 this very readable. And not only yeah. that, he he didn't want to be limited to the English language, so he created <laughs> terminology for from another world, you know, an entire other language, and uses that as part of the um, you know the the dialogue between the characters. Uh, yeah, so. Yep. We get, Ra- we get rather than always referring to humans, um, he he encompasses them as now, and um, the uh, and and he, he will refer to Earth as um, I forget the name they call they call it, but Volcandra, Volcandra, yeah, yeah. So he it's it's really neat how he's got a whole other vernacular that he you know throws into the the storytelling just because he's that good of a writer and, and he can. Yeah. Um, he's not just limited to to English. He's adding his own his own terminology to to make it more interesting. I, th- I think that's really admirable, and something I could never do. I struggle with just the English language alone. <laughs> yeah, as anyone uh... who's listened can attest to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm 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 curious too. We're going to read this the the last section of the book next. It'll be the the end for our fourth podcast here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you guys have any thoughts? Is Oyarsa a machine, a computer, God, um, you know, uh, a creature? What, what, what do we, what do we think is going to happen? And, and um, what's, uh, how, how, how is, uh, how is our hero going to make out? Is he going to get back home? Is he going to be on the new planet forever? Will, will there be consequences for Weston and Divine? Are they going to get what they want? You know, I, what, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Zach, why don't you, uh, Give me a prediction or two. Uh, Oyarsa, I think, is just going to be like another another race, uh, different, but more probably more advanced, more evolved. Um, 
I think they're they're going to have more philosophical discussions, and maybe this Oyarsa knows more about you know how how they have interactions with um, Thulchandra and Earth people, and uh, and maybe is in bed with Divine and Weston. I don't know, um, but uh, but yeah, I I doubt that they're going to have any sort of repercussions for killing Hioi. Um, it, it just doesn't really seem like there's, there's like, a, a societal justice system there, uh, in, you know, in the same way that we have on earth, uh, because they, they don't have, you know, people going around or, you know, creatures going around murdering people all the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I expect that they'll probably be able to get back to earth at some point. Um, but since this is a trilogy of books, I don't know if it's going to happen at, in, in this book or not. So what you're so saying, those are my predictions. So what you're saying, Zach is that, uh, that the Anmalakandra murder is akin to half an inch of snow in Tucson. Yeah, exactly. No one knows what to do and everyone's paralyzed and there's no <laughs> yeah. system in place to deal with it. Can't understand this. And yes, as soon as people get in their cars, everybody crashes. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen, Matt? I think Oyarsa is going to be another race, um, possibly from another world where they have outposts on each planet. A Weston and Divine, I think, will... F- face some form of justice, but it'll probably be just like expelled from the planet. And I think um, our main character is going to stay behind. Yeah, I reached. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. I I think that um, Oyarsa is more of a spirit, more of a God type um, type entity. I don't think it's a, a race in the same way that um, the man or the Soren or the Fifiltrigi our races. I think it's going to be a spirit type entity. I'm I'm with Matt where I think they will get expelled. Like that will be uh, talking about um, Weston and Divine. That is, um, they'll be they'll be expelled and sent back to Earth. But their their punishment will will be left there. Maybe exile will be their punishment. They won't be allowed to be allowed to return. And I kind of want ransom to be the uh, representative of the Oyarsa, because they, they said there's no Oyarsa on Earth. Or I think they say there must be, how, how could there be a, a uh, it's the silent planet, we never hear from them, and right. how could there be an Oyarsa? Because, because it, when they ask him about war and murder and violence, um, the the Cerrone, they're like, well, there's that. That's impossible that you that there could be an OER, so for that would not be allowed to happen. If right. So. so I like I'd like to think that uh, Ransom will fill that role, maybe um, be a conduit for that or something. But they also say said that um, the the Oyarsa is an Eldil, um, and uh, yes, like the um, spirit thingies, the spirit where it, where it, and it it's. Its body is so fast, um, and I, I'm yeah, little uh, that that it it ceases to be in any place because it is always in every place. It's quantum, and, baby, <laughs> right? And um, so, kind you know, there's there's a lot of Christianity Christian analogs here. Yeah, um, I think it's a they, pretty pretty safe bet with C.S. Lewis that you're going to get some Christian allegory. Yeah, um, one way or the other. 
and um he go they specifically say the uh that they're they're everywhere and they don't inhabit the planets so much as the the planets are places in the heavens which is where they are um the uh right the arsa yeah because all so. the planets have them and they also have mm-hmm. some knowledge about um para paralendra and um can't remember the other one basically the other planets in our solar system when they right. when the, uh, the closest ones too yeah yep yep and i also wonder you know in 19 in the mid 30s when he was writing this like he you know when they look at earth he describes it as being silvery rather yeah. than blue you know but then i thought yeah but had anyone taken a picture of the earth at that point i'm <laughs> no, pretty I sure not so, right no <laughs> so there's a lot of conjecture and and, and stuff in there yeah. And I, I wonder even, you know, how many of the planets, how, how sorted out was the planetary, you know, stuff that we know that we grew up with? I don't know. I don't know. Um, right. We've I don't remember the details of what happens at the end of this book. because It's been so long since I read it. Uh, I am I am curious um, to find out how the lack or. Um, or whether it's a lack of or never was a uh, Oyarsa or, or what the deal is with uh, with Thulkandra, Earth, uh, the silent planet. I'm curious to see if we get a discussion as to why that is mm-hmm. or, or, or what. But um, And also there's another creature, Malodil, um, who is, I think he's above or below Oyarsa. Do you guys remember? I can't remember uh, exactly how that worked. I believe it's above. So Maladil is is the the the, the top of the the to- yeah Maladil the young, there it is. There was one god Maladil the young, um, and Oyarsa is sort of one step below him and is kind of an Eldil, but is one step above the the Eldil. Mm-hmm. Um, I also particularly like the description that they gave of how Oyarsa would and the Eldil are. To them, when they move through walls, it's because the walls are like fog or smoke or a mm-hmm. cloud, and and they are solid to themselves. Whereas they would see, you know, they they see light as something very much like water, sort of slow moving and and around them, just because they move faster. That's just an interesting way of thinking about sort of more philosophical ideas, while, while sort of moving in some like intertwining that with some sort of scientific sort of states of matter stuff too, which I don't know. I, I liked all the dis- the discussion. I didn't, I didn't find it too boring. I don't know what my opinion was when I was, when I first read it, when I was like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. um, I probably skimmed over that w- waiting for the, the adventure. Um, but uh, I, I enjoy as we uh, reading it back again, many years later, I, I sort of enjoy them working through ideas. It's uh, it's very interesting. All right. Well, we're approaching half an hour here. Um, any, any final thoughts? All right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. We will have the final uh, and fourth installment for you next week. Um, You can also, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can uh, also listen to it on YouTube. If with uh, and there will be pictures of the all the cover art for you to see. And yeah, we'll see you in the next one. I caught it on audio.